Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. We are back on Terrestrial Radio uh, over the next couple of months um, across the network. We are excited about it, uh, thrilled for the future, thrilled for the vision that Clay Travis has. And a uh, big shout out to Barrett Sports Media for, for the, the great story, uh, very accurate on how everything went down. Well, and uh, there's, uh, you can only say something so many times and just say it plainly and, and hope that people hear it uh, and eventually believe it, regardless of, of perception or, or what they think. And we were asked about this in the piece that you can read at Barrett Sports Media that we've, we've tweeted out and posted on social media uh, about joining OutKick and, and what that means for us and our show. And we reiterated, we were brought to OutKick because Clay Travis likes our show, wants us to do our show, and wants us to be even more honest and upfront with our show and our approach. And that's why we came to OutKick. That's what we'll continue to do. Um, we are, uh, we're the three of us at all times. Paul's not here right now, but I can say that. You know, if you liked us before, uh, you're going to love us now. There are no restrictions, there's no filter. Uh, we're not being told to say anything or do anything different at all. The Tennessee Titans aren't picking up the phone, complaining no. to our bosses about what we're saying. The Nashville Predators have no say over what we do or what we say about their franchise, nor did they at the time. The Titans tried to acquire more control over our show, and we left. Um, that, that's as blunt as I can put yeah, it right and now. No sponsor is uh, picking up the phone and calling a radio station and telling them they're upset about something. Uh, Dr. Hank has not called yet about anything we've said. <laughs> the man loves, he's, he, not only is he making America hard again, but he loves everything that we do on this show. He has not had one complaint about any of our sports content on this show, and we are still a sports meanwhile, show. Meanwhile, some Titans decision makers grew soft. Yeah, no doubt about it. They could use Dr. Hank, that's for sure. There yep. are some Titans decision makers that could definitely use Dr. Hank. But we are, we're the, 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 the three of us as a show, and David Reed, uh, who Clay worked hard to bring over to us, which is a huge blessing for us, and you're going to see Reed momentarily. We are what we are. We're the show. I, mean, I, don't, I, I can't say this any more plainly. It's one of those things that people continue to have this perception that you guys are being, there's a puppeteer behind you, and you're saying things you don't believe. We're doing and saying everything we believe. I sent out a tweet yesterday as a, pretty much a joke <laughs> about someone we had on our show as a joke who was an employee of our previous station that we would bring on as an employee as a joke and ask them about his life, and it was a funny bit. And the responses we got were people upset about past tweets, but also people saying, you know, ever since you went there, you've been this, this, and this. And I'm thinking, ever since we went there, we haven't had this person on this show. We had the person on the other show many times, and everyone loved it. People laughed at it. They knew that it was funny. We're not having someone on to legitimately ask about life advice or their religious <laughs> viewpoints. We're having them on as a goof. And I, I would say that to anyone. Uh, Paul Kuharski's favorite show is Howard Stern, who has a whack pack. He brought on the Iron Sheik, 
who said all sorts of insane things on the show. Go back and watch it if you really want to be offended about different <laughs> ethnic groups this guy discusses. And people listened to it and laughed. And that's what we're about, entertainment. And we're no different than we were before. I think as the world changes and becomes perpetually more offended about things, we're not changing. And this format gives us the ability to not change and not leave this chair every day and walk out into another room and worry about some corporate suit coming up to us and telling us that we've pissed off the number three in charge of Titans ticket sales or the number two in charge of media relations for the Nashville Predators. That just doesn't happen here anymore. And I'm thankful for it. And I think I speak for all of us in saying that we're thankful for that level of freedom. Yes, and we're, we're thrilled for where we're headed uh, and can't wait for more announcements soon. Uh, I feel like, we, and I mentioned this with Clay whenever he was on, was it two weeks ago, that every week there's like another big announcement with what he's doing with OutKick or Fox or getting the time slot with Limbaugh. Things are settling down now. And uh, the, the last couple pieces have fallen into place for him. And uh, we hope that by football season things ramp up in a, in a big way. So if you're interested in more, and look, we, we, several uh, radio affiliates are already on board across the state of Tennessee. If you're listening and you're interested, or if you want to let your local affiliate know, uh, just email us, 360 at outkick.com for more info. Chad, what do you think about the renderings? Uh, and this is not the first time we've seen renderings of Neyland Stadium. Um, we've seen it with, with Philip Fulmer and some of the the renovations that they want to take place with Gate 21 and everything surrounding Neyland or inside the stadium. Um, but w- we saw yesterday with Danny White um, some new renderings that were released. And we'll take a look at them now on the screen and we'll just scroll through these. Uh, just initial thoughts from a perspective of and a perception of a, a, a Vols fan. Here's one of the end zones, which we have touched on before. Yep. Um, and Lance Lee pointed out it does, it does, it's very similar to NCAA football uh, if, the, if the video game were releasing renderings. But this is a different view of what you would see in Neyland Stadium currently. Yeah, it's, so this is the north end zone that if you're watching right now, you're seeing. And this is what you see in a lot of places. It is a sort of a party deck slash bar slash upscale luxury seating uh, area in the north upper deck end zone. I really like this facet of the plan. Something's got to be done with the upper deck end zone, especially the south end zone. That's the one that yeah. I had classes in school and there were leaky pipes in the classrooms in 2001, in 2002. The structure on the south so end this, zone. This is an ancient building, by the way. This is there a, are structural things that need to be done to the other, the opposite end zone. This is the same end zone, yeah. right? Just a different view of what we just saw uh, looking back on the bar. This is great. The standing room only hangout area. Uh, where you can go grab a drink, watch the games. Uh, uh, this, this is needed. Yes, this Th- is needed. This is this is this is great. And uh, it's look, we've seen so many different plans at Tennessee. There's been a Mike Hamilton plan. There's been a Dave Hart plan, a John Curry plan, yeah. a Philip Fulmer plan, and now this is uh, uh, this is Danny White's plan. I like it. I, I think the biggest part of it is that north end zone and that luxury area, that party deck area that you're looking at right now. Uh, it's, it's a big upgrade, and I think that Tennessee is – I've said this for a while. You need to shrink the capacity of the stadium. 
because you're going to have probably 80 to 85,000 people at the season opener on a Thursday night. The, the, the days of regularly getting 100,000 plus to Neyland Stadium for games, it's over. And I would say that even if Tennessee was good, right. I think it's, it's over because attendance in college football and sports is different now. So you need more options. You need an area like this that's more open where you shrink the capacity of the stadium a bit but still keep different options for fans that want to go to a game and have a different experience where they can have that experience. We're going to see more images here, uh, different renderings. So here's the overhead view. Uh, and Chad, you can see the suite area uh, and some of the other things that they've put in below the bar deck, um, which is expanding the, the seating yeah. and giving you more space for businesses, for donors, uh, for different offices, for fan groups. But again, we don't know uh, the exact numbers, but I'm, a, I'm guessing with that expanded jumbotron and the seats below it, you're probably taking away eight to 10,000 seats, maybe 5,000 seats in that area. Maybe not that much, but you see what I'm saying? Making the, the seating areas yeah. wider, giving different vantage points, giving a different entertainment area is going to be key, not just for Tennessee, but for so many different college programs. So I think it's smart and is because this, you're just not going to see 100,000 people show up. And you regularly. can see the deck in the, the right upper upper deck area of the end zone, but it's also showing off some lower level seating here too. Yeah, some more luxury seat options that uh, you, you can tell has maybe a different entrance into a club level uh, at, at each side of it, below it. So... All in all, I think what the plans are are, are good. I think you know, that these plans they're laying out can be, will be done by the 2022 season. Mm-hmm. This is not something that's going to be done in five years. It'll be done before next season and be ready to go. The biggest thing that Tennessee's got to worry about with that stadium, structurally and what has to be done with the south end zone. We're looking at the north end zone with that new party area. The south end zone, where I had classes when I was in college in the stadium, this was a facility built in the early 1900s that some of that is original to it that needs to be upgraded. What was that? Was this um, a morning class, like a sports class, or was this a class that was easy to, to attend as this, a college student? This was a morning class. Oh, those it were was, brutal. It was easy to attend because I was living in the fraternity house at the time, <laughs> and my good buddy, now the doctor, PhD, Frank Mason, uh, who actually works at Vanderbilt and does research there. I had the class with him. We lived in the house across the hall from each other. And I, he's a really good student, obviously. And we enjoyed walking to the class together from the frat house all the way to Neyland Stadium. So it was easy to get up in the morning and get going for the class. It was a class taught by one William Hawthorne, who was an American Oh, Captain, lit. my Captain. It was. It was, it was American <laughs> It was a perfect name. It was American Lit class where we read uh, like Melville. I remember we were reading Melville and discussing it inside of Neyland Stadium in this ancient classroom with leaky pipes. You had to stand up on your desk. Taught by one Dr. William Hawthorne. You're ripping out pages of your of your book yes. that was issued to you. Yes. It's where I really took my stances on some of the classics. <laughs> was in there uh, reading that. <laughs> you know, the well actually represents American society and no. <laughs> It was a the, the name I, was perfect for a liter, literature class though. American Hawthorne. lit at eight thirty in the morning sounds miserable to me. I'm telling you, there was I, I actually enjoyed. You it. guys agree? It's one of the few classes I remember that was actually fun. I there I just wasn't making a class before you, eleven a.m. If you tell me any science or math class early in the morning, that sounds like utter hell oh. to me. I mean, at any time of day. 
I had a statistics class at five o'clock at night with a Dr. Halima Benzmile <laughs> and another, another one of the few professors' names that I actually remember. And that class was absolute torture at all times. And it was a huge, one of those huge classes with, you know, 200 kids in it. And it was awesome. The memory recall is on point. I, I don't remember very many names of professors. I don't either. Those are the few oh. of the ones that I actually remember. For, for whatever reason you asked about that, I remember it because his name was Dr. William Hawthorne and he actually taught American Lit, which sounded made up to us. Like he actually gave himself that name to become a literature professor. You know what I do remember? Yes. First National Bank t-ball team at the Morrison Ruotan Club. Growing up, you know, who else in remembers the mid '90s, Spring Hill Pharmacy. Spring Hill Pharmacy. They'll remember that day. Yeah, it, or night. Uh, is Spring Hill Pharmacy about to be offended by the article that we're we're going to unearth? I think that Spring Hill Pharmacy is about to have to look through some old tweets of whatever the sponsor was, <laughs> David Reed, and they're going to have to cancel their ass after they hear this <laughs> next segment. We're going down memory lane. The chairman of the board, David Reed, joins us. An incredible story. A blowout among all blowouts, and you know what? Spring Hill Pharmacy took an L. And they went home like men. Those boys became men. And girls. After the beating that they took. And those took. girls became women. This was co-ed. The beating that they took, and they didn't receive a participation trophy. And they didn't quit and join another team because they lost a game on a fateful night in Spring Hill, Tennessee. We discuss some of the most uh, epic moments of our childhood sports lives straight ahead on OutKick 360. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton and the chairman of the board, David Reed. At David Reed Radio is where you can follow him on Twitter. We've asked him to join us because of his post at Facebook over the weekend that started with this sentence. Have you ever wondered why there's a run limit each inning in youth ball? I had one at the Morrison Ruitan Club where I played youth sports. The Ruitan? The Ruitan. That sounds like it's made up. It's like up. a community center. Is it, like a, is it a brother or sister of the Civitan Club? No, I mean... The Lost Colony of Ruitan? They, is that what this is? They help Hunt, out the community. Hunt, they keep, they fund inspired the me to go to the Google machine and figure out what the heck the Ruitan <laughs> The Ruitan Club. It's, you know, it's a, a fundraising organization. They put together the fireworks show in downtown yeah. Morrison, Ours Tennessee. was sponsored by the Lions Club. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you you're, you join the Morrison Ruitan. You, they put a softball and a t-ball league together. And as a kid, you would go down to the ball fields. They've got, what, two of them. You have two of them. One's a t-ball field, one's a softball field, and you, you played ball. And sometimes you, you got crushed. Sometimes you didn't. But you learned how to win and lose and win and lose the right way. And that is why uh, I, I have a sentiment when I hear of uh, fans, parents heckling at Little League games. There wasn't a lot of that going on whenever I played. It was... Uh, more camaraderie than it was hatred for the opposition, and there were blowouts, and oh yeah, you you learned how to take mm. them. In in fact, David Reed is about to throw the trump card on any story we could possibly have. Like the run rule could be twenty one to three in the league I was in, right? Like it, a massacre would be somewhere around twenty runs. By the way, this is a. Uh if you're watching right now, this sort of is an optical illusion. David Reed is actually bigger than both of us, but he's like <laughs> offset enough oh, show where the camera. we no, look, I like, this. We oh, look yeah. like we're giants next perfect. to him. <laughs> Don't no, worry, people. David, David Reed is not shrunk. If you know no. David Reed, he is alive and well, and he's as big as ever. This six-pack okay. is, is for real. A, this is just a complete optical illusion. The COVID-20 hit both of these guys. <laughs> so, so Reed is about to take us to Spring Hill, Tennessee, some 35 mm. years ago. June the 6th, we just passed the date, 35 years ago, 
where I mentioned a, a massacre in the league I played in was around 20 runs. That That's because there was a last batter. Once you batted around yeah, and, and you had a, only okay. a certain amount of outs, you switched fields. Uh, you, you switched infield, outfield. So um, that was not the case with David Reed's team in Spring Hill, Tennessee, where 51 runs were scored in three innings. Here is... The article from, was it 1985 or No, 86? this is uh, 1986. This is the Spring Hill Morning Sun. This was a paper that was started in 1985, about the time that GM announced that it was moving to Spring Hill. So, yeah, the greatest massacre in the history of Spring, Spring Hill was not in November of 1864 when John Bell Hood managed to let the entire Union Army sneak past him in the night. And uh, <laughs> that led to the massacre in Franklin, in the Battle of Franklin. It was, in fact, June the 6th of 1986, 35 years ago. 51-2. to two. Keep in mind, this game was stopped in the third inning. Yes. Okay, let's read just the Builder's Discount. That, that was your team, yes, right? Yes, yes. Builder's uh, Discount won their first game last Monday in the season opener. Then obliterated Spring Hill Pharmacy, <laughs> 51 to two Friday night. That is a direct paragraph reciting from the newspaper in Spring Hill. I just want to, I just want to say this again. Builders Discount won their first game last Monday in the season opener. Then obliterated Spring Hill Pharmacy, 51 to two Friday night. Can we pan out to see the writer of this piece? No, well, there was only one writer. Or was it, it just a staff writer? It was uh, Greg Frazier was the guy's name. He was the writer, the editor. He did everything. The photos that were actually appeared in the paper, which this is the uh, July 31st edition of 1986. This was the final edition from when um, the T-ball season ended that year. Beautiful paper. So it was one man that did it all except for uh, <laughs> Tom Miller, who was my PE teacher. Some serial killer down here. <laughs> my right. PE teacher. He took all the photos uh, surrounding the softball season. John that's Jacob how, Hall was also one. That, that does look like... Who was that guy? Uh, I don't know. It's a woman. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, my apologies to Sherry Lambert's family. Yeah. Strong woman. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, this uh, there was uh, there were no participation trophies given out no. in Spring Hill, Tennessee, in 1986. So I have a lot of questions about this. This is okay. a great story. By yeah, way. it's 51 unbelievable. to two in three innings is amazing. Um, I, I we played t-ball, mm. right? I don't really remember much about t-ball in terms of the score or the rules of the game at the time. But uh, I played t-ball a year after you, probably 1987. Is when I started playing T-ball, 87, 88, right around mm. then. To not um, have some sort of run rule or run limitation <laughs> is truly remarkable when you think about youth sports today. But it also from the standpoint of either batting all the way around, like in our league it is six runs or three outs. So teams can get blown out. If you're good in the field, you can get three outs. Other teams scoring six runs every inning, you're going to get right. blown out. So there is no mercy rule. But there's an inning rule about how long the innings can last. Three innings and 51 runs is truly remarkable. Reed, do you have any other than the written, the print, the, the paper? Also, the fact that this was documented in a local newspaper, a t-ball score, is amazing to me. Because I don't ever remember any youth Little League accomplishment being documented in the Mount Juliet News <laughs> or the Lebanon Democrat back in the day. 
But the fact that this was in the paper is amazing. Well, you have to keep in mind, so it, that summer, there were at least, in every edition, about four pages dedicated to the T-ball and softball scores. Because we're talking about a town at the time was still around 1,200 people, uh, around 1,400 if you included uh, livestock and you wanted your name farm implements. Yeah. yeah. Well, your name was going to be in the paper because there were so few people in the town. They needed your, something to write. Your kids were going to play. Yeah, they needed something to cover other than the, the the rumors that Saturn officials were going to pull out of the deal to move to Spring Hill, <laughs> which, by the way, would have been the best thing that ever happened to Spring Hill, Tennessee. Is this an anti-Saturn uh, guy yeah. going to Spring Hill? Thank you Hill. very much, uh, Roger Smith. And um, Builders, what was the name? Builders, builders Discount was a, a precursor to like a Home Depot or a Lowe's. See, so like I, so I had a Supreme Building Products <laughs> in <laughs> my league. Yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, uh, it is, and it was uh, the Ruritan League. You're saying yes, right? Yeah. Yes. So the mayor of Spring Hill was actually the sponsor. It was part of his business. His name was George Jones. Not the George Jones. That would have been the greatest story in the history. This guy laundered uh, money through this yeah. T-ball team. going to be the next part. If of I played story. T-ball for the possum, uh, this story would have got out a long time ago. Illegal campaign but donations yeah, I were think funneled through the T-ball team. We have some photos of the entire team uh, up here. And just look at this collection of athletes. This is this is what humiliated Spring Hill Pharmacy. And that Spring Hill Pharmacy team went on. Some had some good athletes on it once they grow, grew up. But, I mean, look. And this here's the thing. Here's I can still remember every single one of those people's names too. That's amazing. But this is the team that hung up 51 Where runs. Where are you in this photo, Reed? So uh, let's just start. I can start. Look, let's go for Take the bottom. The let's, let's, let's let's give names. Yeah, credit to the, the bottom names of this 51 to yeah. two obliteration. Moving moving left to right. Uh, Back row first or front row? Front row first. Okay. That is Adam Slaughter, Adam Toombs, Chad Jones. Chad. That is uh, Marty Irwin. Okay. That is uh, Chris Gidcom next to him. And then the shorts in the front row, that is Shelly Pipkin. Shelly's got the greatest yep. wardrobe yep. on the team. Back row, back row left to right, that is uh, Brittany Kraft. Uh, Sarah Toombs, that's Adam's older sister. Casey Duncan, who I had a crush on in uh, second grade because she's like Carrie Fisher. <laughs> and then in the middle of the back row, that those dimples exactly, yep. those are the That's same right. dimples that are under this facial hair right now. Next to him, next to me is uh, Derek Crutcher. His father is the coach on the top left. Uh, next to Derek is Rob Latimer. And then the very end in the back row is Justin Whitwell, who is the current lieutenant in the Spring Hill Police Department. Wow. Well, the best way I can describe the one coach with the mullet and the mustache and uh, the, uh, the the built, ripped physique yes. is he looks like a guy who just got done doing power cleans at a local gym, and he was also one of the first people to buy a jet ski. <laughs> like, this guy definitely owned a jet ski. and also, he, And he probably wore big parachute jeans. While on the jet ski, similar to Kenny Powers in Eastbound and Down. He's, all, close. he's also, he needs to be the next manager of the Chicago White Sox. Well, because that man has the look of swing away. Meanwhile, Tony oh, yeah. Larusa doesn't want you to swing on a 3-0 count no. when you're up by seven runs. Yes, no, so. they were swinging away in that 51-2 win. <laughs> I guarantee you that. He wasn't out there. He wasn't putting up the stop sign at third in that game either yeah. with those team ballers. Yeah, that's that's right. uh, Bob Jones. You uh, take that extra base, Shelly. <laughs> take that extra base, Shelly. <laughs> you get those flowery shorts moving, honey. You can tell by those shorts she wasn't slowing down. But uh, Bob, uh, Coach Bob Jones is no longer with us. That was Chad's father. But, yes, he was ever. Everything, 
everything that was perfect with the American male in 1980s. I mean, wow. that is a mustachioed muscle man with a mullet who drove a Trans Am. There was nothing in Spring Hill that he couldn't get. I have more testosterone just having looked at this picture <laughs> right now of this man and, and this coach. But the funny thing is, so uh, 51 to 2 was the score of that game. We had several tight games over the course of the season. Uh, and then in the tournament, we ended up losing our first game. We we're on the verge of elimination. And to that day, that loss haunts me. Like, I want to get everyone back together from that team and the Duck River Realty and team run it back. and run it back because Duck River Realty. it was a complete fluke. It was a complete fluke that you guys beat us in the tournament. Wade Kincaid, you know this. It was a complete <laughs> fluke. It was an off game. That's why you got ran over in that second game when we took home trophies. Chad, did you ever hand out whippings like this to opposing? Uh, teams and Mount Juliet? This gets my mind racing. Um, we had some blowouts in, in Little League baseball for sure. So our Little League system was a little bit different in that, and it still is. We're just the name of a, a major league team. So we adopt the name of a team, color mm -hmm. scheme, everything else. And our hat, you know, it wasn't Spring Hill Pharmacy or the building company or whatever. It was, I was on, I can, I can tell you, every team I played on uh, that's a major league team as a kid. I went from the Tigers to the Royals to the Padres to the Indians, to the Rangers, to the Pirates, to the A's. Was there like a Those big, were all of my Little League teams. Was there a big league like sponsor of yeah, this? Yeah, so every team had a sponsor who wore them on the hat. So similar to the, okay. those hats that Reed's team was wearing, looks like they just pulled them out of the box and put them on each kid for that picture. We had those hats that almost looked styrofoam. They were so cheap. And it had... Uh, oh, they remember, were styrofoam. One of our sponsors was Hardee's. We had like the Mount Druid Hardee's. We had Cedar Creek Sports Center, which is still there. We had Across local the street insurance agencies. Yep, all right there. I seriously think they just literally walked from the headquarters of Mount Little League <laughs> to different businesses in about a half a mile radius and signed all them up to be sponsors of teams across the league. Uh, the Trophy Place was always a sponsor. Yeah, yeah. Mount Juliet Trophy or whatever it was called. Um, but so we didn't have the, the big sponsor as part of the name like a lot of Little Leagues. It was all Major League teams. The whipping that I can recall better than anyone was a collection of whippings. When I was in fifth grade, Glayville, a little small community in Wilson County, I'm from Glayville, went to Glayville Elementary. For one year only, when I was in elementary school, they allowed the elementary schools that fed into Mount Juliet Junior High and Mount Juliet High School to play together. So we had, and we were all NBA teams. It was West Wilson Basketball Association, so I was always on an NBA team. We had the Glayville Celtics. We were the Glayville Gators and we're green and whites. So they gave us the green and white team. We were the Glayville Celtics. And I, this is not hyperbole. We beat teams average of 68 to 10 probably throughout the entire year. We may have had one game that was less than 30 points the entire season in winning the league because we had every kid who went on and played at Mount Juliet High School in Glayville. Basically our whole starting five in high school, a lot of them were Glayville Celtics that year in fifth grade. So we destroyed everyone. They immediately went away from that, I think, mm -hmm. because we were killing teams so badly uh, that season. But I feel like, Hutton, you probably have it also. It, you always have that year in youth sports where you're on the dominant team. And we I'll be the first to raise my hand. We all have the year where you suck, where your team is the one who oh, loses yeah. to everyone or you're not set up with the right team. Those seasons teach you a lot more about yourself and uh, uh, about character than the ones where you're killing every team. Yeah, I mean the 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 years where I was on First National Bank uh, in like elementary school, we were routing 
were routing fools mm -hmm. that stepped on the diamond with us. And then you moved up a level to Ed Rogers Automotive and we got our asses kicked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that, that's, that's what it came Ed down Ed Rogers to. Automotive, by the way, did not close. They were not closers at Ed Rogers Automotive. Coffee, if coffee is for closers, there was no coffee being dispensed at Ed Rogers Automotive that season because these guys weren't closing games. And they weren't closing any Hondas. Either. But I, I never heard of parents trying to get their their kids to switch teams because mm. their team sucked, or vice versa. It like, wasn't an option when we were kids. No. Like you got drafted by someone else's and that, that's dad. Rampant now. And you had to go play on that team. Yep. Yeah. You, I mean, you You and, and there was no quitting. If if you were on that, if you were on uh, the the team that lost by what forty nine runs. Yes. Reed, yeah. You had to go play the next time that you're you were on the schedule. And no one no one from Spring Hill was moving to Santa Fe because the league down there was easier for them. They were gonna get more playing time. <laughs> I, I will in full in in and to be fully honest and in, in full disclosure, I from T ball to softball, I always won championships on that field. But in high school, as a part of the first ever baseball team in Spring Hill High School, we played on that same field. And we lost the game my freshman season to Columbia Academy, 33-3. to The game also stopped in the third inning. Uh, Richie Estep, who is now the, the head coach at Columbia Academy, hit three home runs in that inning, one of which was a grand slam. So that was my biggest L on a field in Spring Hill, Tennessee. Can we please just put the article back up one oh, last please. time? Yeah. And, and also, we got, we got to see the, the kids and the coach one more time. This was printed. Just peak 80s. The head coach. So you or see the assistant. score: uh, Boyd Field Builders gets discount beating Perry Construction twenty-two to seventeen. Very competitive up game. Their third win of the young season. Builders discount won their first game last Monday in the season opener. Then obliterated Spring Hill Pharmacy fifty-one to two Friday night. Tied for first with Builders discount in the overall standings is Luther's Follies. What is Luther's Follies? So uh, Luther's was the the big market in. Spring Hill. Sounds like a train collector. It is. It is. <laughs> Just it, go to Luther. He'll give you the sponsorship money for that team. He's got it. He's good for it. So Luther's Market stood where the uh, where a restaurant called Stan's Restaurant originally stood. Stan's Restaurant was the inspiration for Cracker Barrel. What? So yeah, that's I can tell you everything. All signs to point Hill. to Spring Hill yeah, in yeah, all of Middle yeah. Tennessee. It's amazing. Uh, it's a terrific story, and uh, you retell it well, Reed. I, I will say, um, as we're talking about youth sports, I can remember the seasons that were great and some of the big wins. Yeah. But I was the kid who, and you guys know this about me, I'm very competitive. So I was very, very angry with any loss and very disappointed. And I never could quite wrap my head around kids who didn't care as much as me. Mm -hmm. So on the teams that we were bad, it wasn't just the frustration of being bad. And I was typically, I'll, I'll toot my own horn a little bit, I was typically probably the best player on a bad team. Right, so I'm the one who's trying and cares more than anyone else. And then when you're stuck with a bad team, I wasn't the one who was going around yelling at teammates, but I couldn't mentally grasp that you're not upset about this loss. You were Delaney Walker like for the am. Titans in 2015. Yeah, I'm talking about eight and nine. You're probably starting around eight, nine years old. I think in our league, it was yeah, nine and ten was was pitch pitch hmm. was kid pitch, right? So around nine and ten was where I can really remember being physically upset with losing and not understanding how other kids didn't care as much as I did. That's a lesson to learn in life, that not everyone's going to care as much as you, not everyone's going to be as competitive, and you got to roll with it at times. Um, but I do remember 
if I was Spring Hill Pharmacy, I would remember that more than being Reed's team. Like I would remember the 51-2 loss. I remember dropping a pop-up to lose an All-Star game when I was a shortstop that ended the game on that. I remember crying the whole way home at nine years old because I cost my team an All-Star game. That was a total exhibition, but I felt it was like an embarrassment that I dropped the pop-up as an All-Star in that game. I remember giving up the game-winning home run uh, when I was 13 years old pitching where my coach inserted me back in the game after I came out because my arm was sore earlier because we had no more pitchers and you could re-enter the game at that point. First pitch, home run, game over. <laughs> Either way, not his fault. I'm the one who threw the pitch. You could, you could have been a brave. But, still, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but that's what it, it was PTSD that I was experiencing last night watching the Phillies walk it off from my own experience. Hey, put the, I want Jakob and Lance to chime in with their uh, – their great microphone in the back. Um, they have no camera. They have no camera today, which is fine. It's like the voice, they're getting voice set up for 360 Masters tonight. Uh, but can we put the photo up and you guys just give your thoughts on on ev everything involved here in this photo and what you think of Reed, who's of course in the middle and was a part of this destruction of this fateful night 35 years ago? Well, I'd love to see those dimples uh, in current time. <laughs> I did have a coach that looked a lot like the mullet man. I had a couple <laughs> coaches that looked like I think like we him. all did. Yeah. Don't think I had any winning seasons. Uh, I really did it for the Capri Suns and the Orange Slice. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I wasn't trying to. I was, I was one of the kids the that Chad was frustrated with. Lance was there for the snacks at all times. <laughs> Jacob? Jacob, who, who played for Rusty Wallace Nissan. <laughs> Jacob, who actually uh, sold weed to his little league <laughs> That's why he was there. It was uh, it was profitable. That's that's currently not uh, at that time. You know? <laughs> I wasn't selling weed to little leagues when I was in little league. Come on. Um, no, I think it's it's purely their fashion that won the game. Yes. I'm convinced that how you look has an impact on how you play, and uh, and these guys got it right. Well, are these kids playing in jeans? Uh, some of them did. Yes. Well, they're ready. They're ready for a hard slide. I mean, exactly. Yeah, like Marty in the front row there. Uh, that stance. I need to discuss that. They're with headed him, to the, uh, by the way, to the factory. Right it's after. very. It's very bad news bears. Like where yes. all the kids are practicing in jeans. Yeah. In the late seventies. And the thought now of playing ball in June in denim absolutely makes me want to have a heat stroke. Uh, I'm getting moist just thinking about it. Uh, Chuck on our YouTube feed says, did the Duck River team have the Kincaid twins or their brother Wade? Wade, yep. Wade, the older brother. Absolutely. Well, how, about, how about that mm -hmm. uh, from Chuck? And his that. dad, uh, David Kincaid, was the coach. Sam says something that we can all echo, and that is, I would love to hear a pregame speech from Mullet Coach. Oh, me too. At any level. I, I could see Mullet Coach, when you kids got a little bit older, if he continued to coach, Throwing a few chairs uh, in a basketball I mean, locker room you, to make a point. What's the motivation after you destroy someone fifty-one to two? Not to get fat and happy. Not to get yeah, complacent. Hey guys, let's go for fifty-two. I'll, let's go I'll for give fifty-two you, runs. I'll on give the you board. the post-game speech. That would give my. Did this five, team win the championship? My five and six-year-old. Yeah, they won the championship. I'm just making sure. Yeah, you, yeah, haven't, yeah. you haven't disclosed that trophy yet. Yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't have a pro. I, I do have the trophy at home, like right now on my dresser. <laughs> I did, and I, I'm being completely oh, honest. Reed, look at this. Hey, look at that. Yeah, I, I did switch later on to actual uh, baseball pants. <laughs> a 
probably because my knees were I, bleeding. I think, go back to that other picture also if you can. I think that Ty Cobb actually slid into that bag at one point also. <laughs> <laughs> those Did your great-grandfather <laughs> make that by hand and pass it down to you? That, those were the actual bags that were used. They dislodged that from second base. Powder flies out, out of them there. like flour. That was like when you used to steal a base in baseball, it's because you could pick the base up because it was a bag that was yeah. just hanging on out there for dear life. And that's what Reed played with, apparently. The sandlot with... with David White shoes Reed there. Uh, that field could use a little bit of maintenance. See, they're the ba they're the baseball pants I swap. Okay, I to. Right. Yeah. yeah, tallest kid on the on the field. Yes, you were. I was. Yeah, I was kind of a giant. It looks like. And now you're the shortest guy in this. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what but the widest. What happened? Uh, go go search out Reed's uh, Facebook post, David Reed on Facebook, to read uh, all the details and going down memory lane of how he still chases his childhood moments uh, to this day, 35 years later. It's great. It's something we can all relate to if you played youth sports, or even if you didn't. If you've got kids who play youth sports now. Uh, those were the good old days for a reason. If Reed yeah. put together a podcast detailing this season of this team, I, I would listen Retail to that podcast. The, the memory recall. He's got the newspapers to back up the, the facts of what went on uh, in that June of 1986. So I just want to hear the, the podcast sound of when you're like walking into a local store where someone works now and you hear the bell ring when you walk in yeah. on the audio and it's you just confronting someone from the other team. I want to talk to you about the fifty-one to two game. <laughs> Just running from you? No, not now. Well, Ken, I like, I like Ken Birds is about to make this an eight-part series on PBS. <laughs> he goes from Hemingway to Spring Hill Pharmacy. <laughs> I think it's. I think it would be a fascinating listen because if you look at that team photo, so uh, a lieutenant in the Spring Hill Police Department was a part of that team. Rob. Latimer uh, yeah. is in management at Nissan now. Wow. Um, Any relationship to Steve Latimer from the program? Uh, no. There's a chance that the guy on the right, the the who's now in the police department, is, has had to arrest one of his teammates. Uh, let me see. not not any of those teammates, but <laughs> some of the other teams. Jeff, we can talk about that later. Okay. And, I, and honestly, I remember I remember the Chris Gitkum kid. I have no idea. That kid just vanished. I think we all had those kids, those friends in school that were like around for a year and just fell off of the face of the earth. If anyone knows where Chris Gidcom is, uh, if we get this reunion tour back together, I might need to get his digits. Thank you for sharing this story. This is, no, this is, this is unbelievable. <laughs> uh, James on Twitter, we'll have to send this to you so we can show our audience too, but says, uh, <laughs> Jeff Foxworthy's team is out here crushing the ball with a side-by-side -side of mullet coach and Jeff Foxworthy, and it really is uncanny. It's pretty side close. Side. We'll send this to you guys. Also uncanny is what Julio Jones is doing right now at the Titans OTAs compared to the other wide receivers. He's there. Julio is there. Details next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. Julio Jones wearing number two in a practice uniform for the Tennessee Titans. He is in attendance at the Titans OTA today and he's doing the individual drills you know running the ladder doing footwork drills and Chad it's like you're watching the average NFL player I'm not exaggerating you can go on Twitter and see this video he's going through the line and another player goes through the line and it's as if you you went in slow mode the other player because Julio did it so quickly uh, and also uh, let's let's read into this a bit the voluntary aspect of this, because the mini camp work is coming up. 
That's the mandatory work that you can be fined for. The voluntary attendance of Julio Jones is sending a message that he is in, he is ready to go, and he's out to prove a point. This is great for the Titans, great for that locker room, and everyone involved with this trade. It is. If it can work out anywhere close to the camaraderie already shown with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones and what it looks like from the outside, this is going to be huge for the Titans. And the fact he's what's going on now with that, the interest in the team is going to be up. It's all great. Real quick, I want to get to this since we're in the Tennessee Power Hour also. This is just coming down from Twitter. We talked about plans at Tennessee recently. Uh, a lot of talk about the Tennessee Baseball Super Regional selling their tickets by phone and people being upset with the ticket process there. Um, an associate AD at Tennessee went on a Knoxville radio station, I can't see which one yet, but um, said that all Tennessee fans should go to the game Friday night and this weekend, and they're going to have something for them, even if they don't get in. So they're planning some sort of watch party right outside the stadium. Awesome. Somewhere on campus, which is a smart move. Are recruits in town this weekend? Football recruits? I know they were last weekend. I don't know what this weekend's like. It's usually done around camp. They had a big camp this the past last week, weekend. Yeah. I'm not sure if there's a camp this we'll week. We'll have the VolQuest Power Hour tomorrow. Yeah, we'll ask. And we'll ask about that. We'll ask, a, we can ask Austin Brent tonight because they'll be at the Outkick 360 What a recruiting also. tool, though. And I, I know you don't need it for the SEC as much. But to have an atmosphere like that while the recruit's on campus, I mean, knowing that, for instance, that the number two recruit is back in the mix for the, for the Tennessee Vols, um, imagine him being on campus and all of the fans knowing exactly where he is at all times. Yeah. And you have that atmosphere going on outside the stadium. Well, Tennessee football has taken advantage of, not necessarily baseball until right, this year, right. but uh, basketball atmospheres have been great since Rick Barnes has been there. And they've utilize that with some big games over a weekend. Um, I can even remember the, you know, the Kansas weekend or these non-conference games in basketball. The football program will put recruits in that weekend around a big basketball environment. You're right, Hutton. This is going to be, I mean, anyone who saw the footage of the walk-off Grand Slam, it's going to be a great environment in Knoxville around this Super Regional, especially with the bad blood with LSU and things that they're outgoing. Co- the coaches is out. You know, after this season, whenever they lose also, he had bad things to say about Tennessee. It is a great opportunity to bring in some football recruits and to have this big event outside of, uh, of the stadium. So, interested to see how they pull all this off and when other announcements will be made. Julio Jones uh, and Mike Vrabel speaking to the, the media post-practice today. He said, look, there's an excitement from everybody about Julio. And then he goes on to say that the media is in a better mood. He said fans and everyone with the team seems excited. There is an excitement level that is definitely ramped up with this edition. And I can't wait to see some of the clips that have uh, scrolled through social media with, with him at practice. I don't, I don't want to drool too much over workout videos on this show. And but, we don't. Uh, but uh, Derrick Henry, once again, Yeah. I, I, I don't say it about really anyone because, you know, NFL players are big, uh, strong, and fast and look good not wearing a lot of clothes when they're working out. This is, tends to be the case for most of them. But Derrick Henry has taken it to a next level with some of the extreme things that he does. Uh, he put out a video of a box jump yesterday that I, it, it's a remarkable human feat 
some of the things that he'll do in these workout videos, which you're describing that drill with Julio Jones, Hutton, and it made me think about that with Derrick Henry. Um, reading through some of the quotes, yeah, he, he, he did everything. He said he looked good. Uh, PK said he looked very good. Was at full speed the entire time. Uh, it sounds like Danico Autry was also there, uh, based on what I can gather. So the big additions to the offseason, Chad, are there for the voluntary work. Uh, and many didn't expect that to happen until the mandatory work took place. Um, Vrabel also brought up Nick Saban in his uh, discussion with the media today, which we knew that he had made multiple phone calls to Nick Saban to get to know about the person in Julio Jones. And that's the one thing with, with the trade, with free agency, you don't really, if you don't know a player already, it's hard to get to know them in a short amount of time where your organization has to make a, a true business decision on that player and what they're going to mean and bring to your locker room and your organization. Vrabel said he had some great conversations. He also appreciated uh, with Saban the same thing he appreciated with Derrick Henry and Rashawn Evans, uh, who uh, were a part of the Alabama program and had been in contact and know Julio Jones well. Well, are the Titans going to win a Super Bowl in June uh, with no. a workout? No, but... Are you going to set the standard for who you are as a team, how you work, and how you gather in June? You can. And the fact they have so many people at this, uh, th this workout, I think, shows a lot about what this team could be and how they could grow together. I think about Tampa Bay a year ago. When everyone was under COVID restrictions, Tom Brady and his Tampa Bay teammates were finding ways to work around it and mm -hmm. circumvent the system because they wanted to gather so much because they wanted to get on the same page. They wanted to practice together. They wanted to work out together. Tom Brady wanted his receivers there throwing with him and, and running routes. This Titans team would be wise to take that same approach this year. Yeah, agree. Tonight, a fun night at Top Golf Nashville, the 360 Masters. Thanks to everybody for supporting the event. Hit us up on Instagram, at Outkick360, where you can follow us there. I'm sure we'll tweet the Instagram link uh, out on our Twitter account as well, at Outkick360. Um, we will be live throughout the evening from the 360 Masters tonight, so you can join us there on social media across those platforms. It'll be like you're there. If you don't have a ticket, it's a yeah. sold-out event. We're going to make it like you're a part of the, the event on Instagram, Twitter, everywhere, yep. Facebook. Yeah, and in the meantime, you can, of course, check out the show through YouTube, searching out Outkick360. We hope you'll subscribe and like the account, ring that bell so that every time we go live, you're alerted to new content. We li we're live every day, noon Eastern, across the Outkick network. And we have, just coming up in a matter of moments, the debrief. Uh, Sarah Triplett will have that. I'll be a part of that. Uh, looking forward to that on Instagram. And, of course, download the podcast. We, we hope you'll rate and review the podcast wherever you get your podcast. If you're looking for the links on where we're available, go to any of our bios on social media. It's linked there through a link tree link. Uh, and everything that that we're on is available to you at the click of a button. Thanks to the great crew today. Back at it tomorrow right here on Outkick 360. Bang, bang. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to Outkick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.